Well, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chad Michael Bowden, and thank you for clicking on another episode of Hindsight is 2200. Before we go any further, exciting news to announce here on the episode. We are officially on Apple Podcasts. That is right, ladies and gentlemen. We are growing every day, and it's thanks to your love and support. We are also getting closer every day to 200 listeners. Thank you all so, so much for all the love and support. It truly means a lot uh, to see the growth and expansion in real time is crazy. And I won't lie, it brought me to tears a little bit yesterday. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, it, it's it's been great. And honestly, I'm just so excited to see where it goes from here. Anyways, if you missed the last episode, I sat down with a friend of the podcast, uh, Brad Kelly, who is uh, the COO of Color World Books, which is a amazing company that does audio books. And um, they have their own series that they use um, professional actors that have been in anime and video games and cartoons uh, like Cher Millet, uh, Todd Habercorn, um, David Wald, you know, the list goes on and on. And they also help give virtual experiences for those that maybe are chronically ill or just disabled and they can't go to those big conventions on their own. So they allow one-on-one experiences with the actors and the talent. So um, they're great. I, I, I've spent a lot of money on them because, <laughs> uh, you know, a big fan of them. But um, if you missed the episode, please go back and give it a watch. Anyways, let's move on to today's episode. And uh, I am very excited to have today's guest on because I know I throw out the word, you know, friend of the podcast a lot here. Uh, and usually when I do that, it's because I've worked with these people or I, I have talked to them for quite some time. But uh, this is a true friend of the podcast. I have known this man since 2014 when we were both very young in our uh, professional and personal lives. And uh, we both spent a month on campus together training to get our guide dogs with each other. Um, he's a very good friend, and um, it's been amazing to see him grow and uh, further his ex- horizons. Uh, he is Austin Marshall. That's right, the great and powerful Austin Marshall. He is uh, working for Veristaff, you know, providing some amazing in-home care for those patients that, you know, really need one-on-one kind of care for things like diabetes and heart conditions. Uh, you know, he's a disability consultant. He also worked for a long time as a videographer and cameraman for ESPN, SEC. Uh, so he's done a lot of stuff and he's just an amazing person. So let's get him in here. Here he is, the great and powerful Austin Marshall. Yeah, man, for sure. Uh, <laughs> just just wanted to say thanks. Uh, and I, I love what you're doing. Um, <laughs> I, as somebody that... Uh, it works directly and indirectly with uh, the disabled community. Just mm. love, love to see you grow and, and love to see the podcast and, yeah. and just knowing your journey over the years and, and what it's taken you to get to, to where you're at. Just uh, honored to be on and, and to watch you grow. Absolutely, man. I, I, I've wanted you on the podcast for a long, long time. I mean, we've been talking <laughs> months, months before uh, we finally could get this to happen. Uh, just, you know, you busy in your own stuff and me busy in my own uh, kind of life, but I've always wanted you on the podcast because you have an amazing story and, you know, it's different when you personally know the person and their story uh, and, and where they've grown and, you know, seen it all go happen in real life. So, you know, it really is, you know, kind of different for you and I, because we, we know each other so, so closely and we've seen our journeys. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so when um, we first met, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't even uh, 21 yet. <laughs> I was just a young... Oh, young... that's right. You you <laughs> turned 21 
I wouldn't didn't when your 21st birthday on campus yeah yeah so uh you might remember we still we, have to celebrate your 21st birthday yeah we uh <laughs> chef rob uh he brought out a carrot cake and we all had oh, some yeah, carrot that's cake. right <laughs> um, I, I, always... I think i have a video of um i think it was suzanne singing you happy birthday <laughs> i gotta yeah. find that yeah um i always tell people andros was my 21st birthday present <laughs> that's a good way to put it yeah um but i mean yeah, when I when you and I met, I I wasn't working at all. I was still in college, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And of course, uh, you were still young in your career. I believe you were still working for uh, SEC, ESPN at the time. Yeah, I had just started. I think when we went to class, I had just started that February. Our our class was in May. Uh, mm-hmm. We were we were class two twenty seven. So mm-hmm. I I had just started with ESPN that February, and um was finishing up school, had one more semester, decided to, uh, to take a semester because I wanted to, to transition a little bit more slowly with Bentley. Mm -hmm. Um, when I got him, I was like, I don't want to have this new dog and have this experience and then go straight into working, which is also Mm -hmm. new. So I kind of built some transition time in there for a minute. It paid off. Career doesn't look the same as it did. Um, I guess eight years ago now. Um, it's crazy. It makes me feel really old. Yeah. Um, but May. yeah, that, <laughs> that 22 days pretty much led to where I'm at now and, yeah. and what I've been doing in the last eight years. And I, I have Bentley and, and Southeastern guide dogs and his puppy razor, Jenny, to thank for mm-hmm. pretty much every bit of it. I've been blessed with an interesting story and it, mm-hmm. it all comes down to, to God's timing and, and kind of where one thing led to another and going back and seeing those decisions that I've made mm-hmm. and where that's led me to where I'm at now. So. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's been incredible to see what you've gone on to do and, you know, just uh, within your work, you know, you wanting to, you know, compete, you know, as an athlete in your Ironman stuff, which I still find crazy, <laughs> but you did it and conquered it. Um, I, I blame Bentley for that. That was <laughs> a, uh, that was something again, that was not, you know, when we first walked into that door, Mm-hmm. Um, in May, that was something that was not even on my radar. Mm-hmm. And because of a, because of the life that Bentley's provided and the, mm-hmm. the people that I've met through him and, and him being able to break the ice, that's, I can now call myself a triathlete. Um, yeah, man. I I'm a lot fitter than I was when I walked mm-hmm. in that door. <laughs> yeah. Um, so definitely having him as, has impacted my life positively in, in mm-hmm. different ways than I could ever imagine. Yeah. And, and I mean, people always talk about how great animals are and a hundred percent, you know, especially, you know, I, I'm very biased towards dogs, you know, just yes. dogs, dogs are so loving. I mean, they, they, that's all they want. They just want love and they give love. And, you know, if, if you don't give them love, they, you know, just kind of turn out wrong because they just, they are impacted by the kind of environments they are given and raised in. And for the most part, they just want to be loved and love in return. And I always tell people, um, and I mentioned it in my post for International Guide Dog Day uh, on Wednesday, you know, um, I'd be dead right now if it wasn't for Andros, you know, it's just like I was in a very, very bad spot. You know, I had to take off, I had to take off time from college because I literally like called my parents and told them if they don't come get their son, they won't ever talk to him again. So it's just kind of crazy to see how much I've changed and like, I look back there and I, when I, and I look at Andrew's face, I'm just like, I can't ever believe I thought of leaving this world and 
leaving the 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 reality that I had an amazing dog like you to help me through all this stuff. It it really does, and you know I've I've been fortunate enough to to not have to go through anything like that. Um, mm. My condition's congenital, so I always tell people they're like, oh man, how how does it like what's it like to be blind since birth? I was like, what? I don't know. Like I don't right. know any different. Right. And I was like, I. I was like, my heart goes out to people who have congenital disorders, but also mm. people who, whose conditions are going to get worse over time. And I was like, mm. I've got a lot of friends with RP and mm-hmm. it, it just, you wake up one day and your vision starts to go and there's nothing you can do about it. And yeah. it's like, I, I don't have, for me, I've had 31 years to try to figure out how to, how to navigate and right. my vision's stable and it's not going to get any worse. Mm-hmm. Hopefully um, it's not going to get any better either, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we figured always... that part out a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. It's always kind of like the, the bright side of things. It's like, well, um, for me, it's like, it could get worse, but honestly, I don't even care anymore because honest, <laughs> it's like, I already can't see. So it doesn't matter if I can't see anymore. <laughs> Yeah. And, and then when that starts to happen and you guys have to figure out a way to, to overcome it. I was, um, had a friend a few years ago, reach out to me. It was a, a girl that she was diagnosed with RP and it was going faster than they had thought it would. And I reached out just to offer support and it didn't go that well. It was yeah. one of those kind of situations like you were saying. And I, I've kept up with her over the years. She's, she's gotten out of that point and kind of mm-hmm. come to the realization that this is, you know, this is what it is. I have to figure out how to, how to manage it. Um, and it was, it was hard. It was hard being able to talk to her and offer support. And she's like, you don't know what I'm going through. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm blind. I'm here to offer support. She's like, mm-hmm. but you've, you've been the same your whole life. You've mm-hmm. figured out a way to, to overcome it. So it is, it is difficult and it's, yeah. it's hard to watch. Yeah. Um, it's hard to watch people go through that, um, especially in, triathlon a lot of people i know have you know degrading disabilities over time and it's just it's hard to watch um them them go through that you know i, I actually met her through triathlon but rachel weeks that works at southeastern guide yeah. dogs now yeah it's um, crazy <laughs> watching her go through usher syndrome and knowing mm-hmm. that it's it could get worse over time and, and knowing that that's that's not only impacting her vision but also mm-hmm. impacting hearing too mm-hmm. so that's it's it's encouraging to see people bounce back from that to mm-hmm. to know that yes even though your life looks completely different there is hope and and i'm surrounded that by that in the triathlon community with mm-hmm. disabilities of all kinds so that's that's a huge huge motivator for me but also a lot of encouragement to know that yeah it may be dark for a while but there's there's a way out of it yeah absolutely and you know it just takes time sometimes maturity to just reach a point where you can accept that and move past it but I always tell people it's at your own pace. And like you said, all we can do is just offer support. Um, we might not know exactly what you're going through, but I mean, you know, blindness is encompassing to everybody. I've, I always tell people vision is the one thing that everybody will experience. Uh, doesn't matter. It comes for everybody, you know, as we get older, just healthy people lose your vision. I mean, it just, it's a part of life. Vision is going to come for everybody at one point yeah. in their life. So let's go back a little bit because I, I want to unwrap um, your story a little bit more. Um, what exactly, if you don't mind sharing um, with the people that are listening, is your uh, visual condition? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I I have a congenital disorder. It's uh, mm-hmm. coloboma. I, to be honest, as somebody that's had it for 31 years, I don't know a whole lot about it. <laughs> Probably should. 
Um, but it affects my, my left eye completely. Um, mm -hmm. Basically detached retina in the left eye. Right. Um, the disease, I think the way to put it would be penetrated my ocular nerve in mm -hmm. my left eye. So that's, that's led to detachment um, and then partial detachment in my right. Mm -hmm. um, if you, if you look at it from a clinical standpoint, mm -hmm. my eye and my right eye looks basically, basically like a keyhole. Mm -hmm. um, so I have limited peripheral in my right eye and mm -hmm. then basically just central vision. Um, I would say bottom central. Mm -hmm. I think the diagnosis is uh, no light perception in the left eye and then mm -hmm. 2,400 best corrected mm -hmm. with, I think, a 42% field in my right, I think is what they tell me. Gotcha. Um, so just, just limited vision and right. The only thing that really bothers me is small things and text and distance viewing is, is not great. Um, yeah, yeah. And now that I'm getting older, welcome to the world of that part of it. I mm -hmm. now have astigmatism. Mm. in my right eye so walking at night is, is difficult so having Bentley like with oncoming traffic lights mm. just I can't see anything mm. and uh having him definitely helps something I didn't notice until I moved to Nashville three years ago but that's that's playing into it now so yeah yeah uh, you know for RP it's just night blindness is the worst thing ever so Having the get having the, the boy, you know, it's it's the best thing ever because I mean it's a help and it's yeah. it's one of those things when I first got Bentley, it was it was clear it's gonna be a quality of life and convenience thing for me. I didn't mm. necessarily need him to navigate. I basically needed him to make my life better. Mm. But now as I've gotten older and definitely relied on him more, I still rely on the vision that I have, but definitely rely mm. on him more. He's mm -hmm. come in more and more, especially living in a big city right um yeah. It's, yeah it's growing yeah. by hundreds of people a day mm. uh traffic's terrible and people don't know how to drive first so he's he's definitely come in handy a lot more than i thought i would ever use him um especially yeah. in the last few years and thankfully he's he's still eager to to get up and put the harness on in the mornings i know and it amazes me every day when i even like no, I'm not gonna go do anything, but I just even touch the harness. He's just like, huh? I'm like, yeah, just no, no, we're not going anywhere yet. He's just calm down. I know you're excited. We're getting there. We're and it, getting and there. it's great to see you're that excited at your age. It's it, and it makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, no. Um, so what got you into videography then? Because um when we first met, of course, you were you know, just getting started with uh, ESPN. Um and I always love talking to people that are doing careers that from the outside looking in, like for those that are fortunate enough to not ever experience any sort of disability, they just look at you and go, hmm, so how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, so the, the interesting thing is, and it's, I, I knew what I wanted to do from a very early age. Mm -hmm. um, and now, even though it's not my primary focus, I still get to do it. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, I get to work this weekend. Uh, I still do a lot of football, a mm -hmm. lot of basketball. Um, I, in high school, I was really big into music, always been big into music and, and wanted to go do audio. Mm -hmm. And then I started working in that field probably from the time I was like 16. The time I was really able to work, I started mm -hmm. doing different stuff. 
So then when I got in college, I started looking at um, universities to go to, places to transfer to, and, and what degrees and programs were out there. And I wanted something different. I had been in audio for a long time. I was like, mm -hmm. I, I want to do something different. Um, so I went and did broadcasting. And really, a lot of what I do still involves the audio component, which mm -hmm. is, that's great. I'm blind. I have good ears. You know, <laughs> everybody thinks that I'm Batman for some reason. Like, oh, yeah, that's a natural fit for you. It's like, no, it's not that I can hear better. It's just I my job, mm -hmm. I got into audio because I couldn't see and because mm -hmm. that was fascinating to me and I love sound. Mm -hmm. I've just had years, 20 years of ear training on top of that. And that's, <laughs> that's it benefits me in life. That's great. But that's, yeah. I'm not Batman. Mm -hmm. and, and that, and you know, they probably tell you too, that's the blind stimming says, oh, you're, your sense of hearing and smell are better yeah. not necessarily no, no, um, yeah i always get that i've i've had people be like so are you like daredevil i'm like no i wish well, i was i truly do but nice no it does not work that way but yeah i i wanted to to experience a little something different so i got into i was the most ironic thing about it i was never a you have people that are in production that are like, I want to go make movies. I want to mm -hmm. go work in film. And, and I, I definitely went through that in college. I was like, I mm -hmm. want to go work on episodic television. I, I love television. Yeah, yeah, you do. But I, I can't <laughs> tell you what actors are in what movie because right. that I never cared about that. I cared mm -hmm. about how did they make that shot? Mm -hmm. uh, what gear did they use? I was, I was such a technology nerd. Uh, I was like, what gear did they use? So I got into it from a technology route. Mm -hmm. And then um, was looking for something outside of audio. So somebody was like, why don't you do broadcasting? It's like, okay. And they're like, there's an audio component to it. But then there's also this whole other aspect of the actual video of it. Mm -hmm. And um, got my hands on a camera and started shooting. And to be honest, I really don't do anything any different than other photographers would. Mm -hmm. I like to say that because I have a one eye, I'm a walking camera lens. <laughs> because it, it, it puts things in perspective. And if I have my, and for those that, that are listening, I'm holding my phone up. Like if, if I'm holding my phone up, looking at it mm -hmm. and I turn it around, it's like, Oh, that's an interesting shot. Like mm -hmm. that could be a product shot. Right. So looking through my lens of one eye that I've, I've been given, mm -hmm. it gives me the opportunity to see things in a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that'd be cool. And it's like, I'm, I'm walking down the street looking at a certain thing and I'm tracking a certain thing. And it's like, that, that'd be a cool camera shot. So kind of kind of tied that into it and yeah. just use the tools. Um, Learn a lot from, from guys that came before me and guys mm -hmm. that were really willing to say, hey, you might struggle with this. Here's, here's a tool that would help you. Um, yeah. So a lot of, it's, it's a tool and a camera called focus peaking. And it's like, I, I have a lot of trouble seeing what's in focus mm -hmm. when I focus a camera because it's not that I don't see things clearly and I don't think, see things sharp. It's I don't see enough detail in the image mm -hmm. to know that the edges are sharp. Right. Well, a lot of times, especially in sports and live TV, camera guys don't either. So there are <laughs> tools that are built into the cameras that help them do that. Uh, so I don't use anything else that, that anybody else would do yeah. um, or wouldn't do, but yeah, got into that. Um, and then just kind of went from there. Definitely mm -hmm. experienced a lot of discrimination with it at first. Of course, um, yeah. The 
some of the major networks um, were not not keen on me working mm-hmm. football sidelines, but mm-hmm. I basically overcame that hurdle. I was like, "Look, you can either let me work, or I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pursue litigation." Ooh. And I, because I was just I was like, I don't want to sue you. Like I don't mm-hmm. I don't necessarily believe in that. I don't. Nah. I just want to do my job. I want right. to do the job that I was doing before you found out that I couldn't see. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. And um, went through that whole battle, and then I just I just shut up about it. I was like, I'm just gonna shut up. Like this. <laughs> these organizations are big enough. They don't, they're not going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And um, just didn't say anything about it. Started getting more work, getting more work. And then when I moved to Nashville, I had an issue with a, uh, an operations producer. Mm -hmm. And he's like, we can't have a dog. We can't have a dog. I'm like, you can, and you will. (laughs) Like, we'll, we'll, we'll send you home with pay. I was like, I want you to send me home with pay. I was like, because then you're basically paying to discriminate against me and you're paying me off. I want you to. (laughs) And I was like, and I, and I basically pulled him aside. I said, Hey dude, and he's, he's calling corporate. He's calling all these people. I'm like, call him. I don't care. Let me mm-hmm. talk to him. Yeah. And, um, and I told the dude, I said, look, you've got two options. I said, you can either let me do the job that I've been doing for the last six years at this point, mm-hmm. or you can send me home with pay mm-hmm. and you're going to get a letter in the mail in the next couple of weeks. And it's mm-hmm. going to have your name on it. And it's going to have a lot of other people's names on it. What do yeah. you want? <laughs> and he's like, well, I'll give you something to do. I said, no, I want to do the job that I'm paid to do. Yeah. He did. At the end of the day, he comes back and he's like, I sent two people home today. And you covered for both of them. And I said, I sent them home for, for different reasons. One was, I think, high as a kite. Mm-hmm. Um, and just was not working. And the other was just not competent in what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And he said, you proved to me that, A, you can do it. The dog laid here and slept the whole time <laughs> outside of the the times that you needed him to, to do the walkthrough and everything. And mm-hmm. he said, you're welcome on any of my shows and just getting their blessing mm-hmm. from that. And he's like, I'm going to call, he's like, I'm going to call corporate tomorrow mm-hmm. and say, Hey, how do we get this cleared to where you don't have any more issues? Mm-hmm. So then the next year COVID hit, right there's no work people mm-hmm. are getting laid off never <clears> been i wanted to do broadcasting full-time forever never mm-hmm. thought that i would need a a day-to-day eight to five job but mm-hmm. that was a blessing in disguise too mm-hmm. um so started getting work after covid when football started coming back that year and i mm-hmm. didn't bring bentley because i was like i just don't want to deal with it I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna cave i just it's football it's 90 degrees i don't feel like doing it <laughs> And then they got mad because I didn't bring it. <laughs> and the operations producer was like, I heard there was going to be a dog here and you don't have a dog. I was like, uh, <laughs> okay, I'm going to bring him every time now. So just that's been a, an ongoing battle, but to mm-hmm. finally win that battle, just mm. that's what's kept me going over the last two years of, of doing it now as a side gig. Yeah. Um, it's not fun or easy to work 12 days in a row, but yeah. I, I get to do what I love on, on mm-hmm. both fronts. So. Man, that's that's so awesome because a lot of people would give up in that battle. And, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, it is easier just to not tell anybody about your disability. And I've heard so many stories of people not saying anything and then they get the job and they start doing it. And the person realizes, oh, you have albinism. And like, if I hadn't known this from the beginning, I would have never hired you. And it's like, well, I'm glad it worked out in my favor because you realize I can do the damn job. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Like and that's, that's the way I feel. It's like, yeah. it's not, and now you go into, and I'm, I'm big into DEI too. Mm-hmm. Um, now that, that all that stuff has been, mm-hmm. you know, thrust into the, the forefront for, mm-hmm. for a lot of good reasons, but mm-hmm. people with disabilities tend to not get included in those groups. Yeah. Um, and there's a, a group of us that are working together to try to change that. Um, I was actually just, I was, I had to, I didn't get to speak, but I had the pleasure of attending uh, last week, a seminar on disabilities in healthcare and um, people who have disabilities that work in healthcare. How do we hire more of those people and include those in uh, diversity and inclusion plans? Mm-hmm. Because I, I think the, the stat from disability in, I think is like 90% of companies don't include the people with disabilities in their DEI plan. It's like, mm-hmm. Well, it's diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's the whole point. It's like, so there's a lot of us trying to impact change and, and try to get that where they're included. Um, mm. It's it's an uphill battle, but it's it's starting to, people are starting to understand it. And a lot of it's because we don't scream as loud as the other groups do. Mm-hmm. And, and there's there's good reason behind that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I believe that it takes people working behind the scenes. I believe that it takes one step at a time. And mm-hmm. There are a lot of organizations and people that are trying to impact that. So that's seeing that's definitely like gotten a lot better because there are mm-hmm. 70% of Americans that that are blind that don't have a job. Yeah, 100%. Um, that unemployment rate among blind people still hovers around 70%. And that's that's a lot. Yeah. People don't realize, but um, you know, disability is the largest minority in the world globally. It is. I mean, when you, you tell that to people, they, they're often surprised because they never hear about it. So they don't even consider that to be anywhere near when it comes to racism or sexism. Um, mm-hmm. They're very caught off guard because like you said, um, a lot of us don't scream because when we do scream, nothing really happens. Nothing changes. And honestly, it takes battles like yours like you have to fight for years upon years just to get to a point where finally someone's like well you know what you proved me wrong good for you now i can finally change my behavior but you know it sometimes gets very very exhausting for those that are fighting because like you said we just feel like we're never heard even as loud as we scream and it's unfortunate that it's taken so long i always tell people you know it's crazy that it's taken almost two decades for me to finally see something as convenient as accessibility and video games um, and seeing all the changes that are happening because you know for the longest time nobody was even considering the disability market for gaming and it, it is sad but it's you know it's it's you know at least it's finally happening but it's it's unfortunate it had to take so long yeah and that's that's what i like about what you're doing because that's everybody's told me I've always looked at myself as a master of none mm-hmm. and everybody career was I've got probably five or six people that I go to for career advice. And they're mm-hmm. like, you got to find something. You got to be a SME and something. You've got to mm-hmm. find something to specialize in. And when you mm-hmm. said you were starting to, to work with uh, video game accessibility, I was like, that is really niche <laughs> that is needed. Mm-hmm. And I get it. And that's, mm-hmm. that's why I say I love what you're doing because mm-hmm. that's a, that's a big thing. And it's, yeah you can become an expert in that and, mm. and be that voice that, that people want to be or people yeah. want to have. And like you said, just sometimes it just takes 
one person. And even if they just change one person's opinion, at least it's a step forward because that's all. And honestly, what it, what it comes down to is just continuing to move the conversation forward, even if it's yep. a slow march. That's what it takes. Mm-hmm. So um, how long were you um, involved with ESPN? I know you still do some work, but like officially, like when did, you know, you decide to do something else? I mean, I, I'm pretty sure COVID had a very big part to play in you deciding to start, you know, spreading your, your, your fingers into all these different things. Yeah. So I, TV is actually what brought all of this on. Mm-hmm. Um I, I was unhappy. I, I wanted to get out of Mississippi mm-hmm. just for a lot of reasons. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> wanted to, to move away from home. And I, I had mm-hmm. always, mm-hmm. I had always looked at Nashville um, as a and really accessible city. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's growing, it's getting more accessible, mm-hmm. uh, which is a huge, huge upside to that. Um, I wanted access to more training facilities, better training, mm-hmm. uh, more guides than I had in Mississippi. So it's, it was a number of things. Um, there was also a, a girl in the picture at the time, but it's <laughs> no longer in the picture, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the accessibility here, um, it's a larger market. It's, mm-hmm. it's got an airport that's pretty regional. I can get to anywhere in the country if they wanted to fly me to. I can pretty much mm-hmm. get to there easily. Um, so that's that was the reason behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just looked for any excuse to to get up here. And <laughs> a friend of mine was like, "Hey, Postmates is hiring salespeople." Mm-hmm. I was like, "I don't know shit about sales," <laughs> but I, I talked to one of my friends, and he was like, "Actually, you're you're probably more you're probably better at it than you think you are." Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like all right, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you've already got the skills down. You just need to learn how to sell stuff and, and how to sell the products. He's like, mm-hmm. you're, you're very articulate. You can get your point across. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, but a delivery service for restaurants? He's like, <laughs> take it and see where you go with it. And if you don't like it in six months, you'll, you'll have the network of TV people. Well, right. six months later, COVID happened. Right. So that, that definitely wasn't in my plan as mm-hmm. a lot of people that wasn't in a lot of people's plans. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so I, I took it as the opportunity to, okay, I've been warning, I've been in triathlon for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into that because of, you know, Bentley and, and his puppy razor mm-hmm. kind of slowly nurturing me getting into sports. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was like, how do I impact the disabled community? How mm-hmm. do I do that? And it was pointed out to me, it's like, you're going to be signing up restaurants for the service that offers delivery for food. Right. Like you're, you're directly impacting the, the access to what they get on the app. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Let's go sell some things. And I did. I, I struggled at times. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely wasn't the easiest thing to do and the easiest thing to learn, but it, I kept that mission, mm-hmm. you know, behind me and I was able to, to work in some of the larger markets. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the opportunity to work in New York city during the pandemic. So that was, both challenging and and rewarding at the same time mm. um, to be able to offer access to everybody that was at home yeah. during that time um, and to give them some bit of a quality of life that they didn't have in mm. quarantine. Now, especially for um, disabled people, we were so impacted by the lockdown. I mean, 
you know, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, but, you know, we weren't being discussed in the, in the, in the mass media about how, okay, so yeah, the people that can't drive and can't go and walk outside. <laughs> um, we what do they do? <laughs> what do we do? We can't go get our meds. We can't get um, daily living things like toothpaste, deodorant. Um, and what are we going to do for food? <laughs> because it's already expensive enough um, for us to, you know, to get groceries. So it's like, what are we supposed to do? We're completely out of the picture in, uh, with this lockdown. I, I think that brought a lot of things to light. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do because it's everybody's freaking out about who we're gonna we gotta be home for two weeks and end mm-hmm. up being like two months to yeah. now two years. Yeah. Um, we're finally coming out of it, but mm-hmm. we're over here raising our hand like, hey, we've been this is our whole life. <laughs> yeah. Like, welcome to our world. Yeah. Um, but I I'm like I said, I'm always somebody that I look at the positives and the negatives. The negatives as somebody who loves like process management and operations mm-hmm. type things and solving problems. Mm-hmm. There's always a positive and the negative. The negative mm-hmm. is what drives the change, but the positive mm-hmm. is the outcome from it. 100%. And it, it was one of those things that like, okay, delivery is huge now. Yeah. Rideshare went down, which mm-hmm. it's coming back, but delivery is mm-hmm. huge. Telemedicine, which is mm-hmm. what I work in now, that exploded. Mm-hmm. I have my job now directly because of the pandemic. Um, I lost my job because of the pandemic. But, uh, <laughs> as as you know, you know I've we're in the same boat. With, yeah, I, and that's why I like what you're doing. You've 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 come back from that, and I think we both have in in different mm-hmm. ways. And I lost my job because of the pandemic, and I got mm-hmm. my job because of the pandemic. And I was yeah. like, okay, I get to offer in home services for people who can't go out and get to a doctor. Yeah. I know how much of a pain in the ass it is to go to the doctor. <laughs> so uh-huh. tell, to see that growth and telemedicine grow mm-hmm. is over the last two years of the pandemic has been a, a huge boost for me as somebody that now works in healthcare and, mm-hmm. and now tries to increase that, uh, that availability to people. Yeah. It, it, it's just been great to kind of see some people really get, get the pick the bigger picture because it's just like, like you said, um, hey, so just, just so you want to know, I've been doing to stay at home and not being able to go out and do stuff on my own without assistance my entire life. I mean, you just want to throw that in there. No biggie. <laughs> no biggie. Yes. You, know, you know, it's just it's just Chad saying whatever. You know, you know Chad's a joker. But it's like, it really did make people like, like oh, oh yeah, Chad's had to do this his entire life. This actually kind of sucks. I can only imagine how he's felt having to do this his entire life. And it kind of helps them to like understand the importance of having accessibility and having the delivery because delivery for me is so huge nowadays, you know, uh, when it comes to ride share, um, you know, that's why I'm so happy to live where I live now because I can literally just call up like my county's bus and they'll get me where I need to go. Or if I need to be somewhere more promptly, I can just do like an Uber or something. I don't have those options in my hometown. <laughs> um, and then, no, me neither. <laughs> and, then, and then the delivery for food, like groceries. I am so reliant on Instacart. Like if I did not have I, Instacart. I used it, uh, when was it? It was yesterday. So I, I usually have friends that take me to the store. Mm-hmm. And we both, or all three of us, live completely hectic, busy lives. Especially mm-hmm. now that I've, I've been promoted and, mm-hmm. and got all the other irons in the fire. And they're like, look we'll get your Instacart order for you this week. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I can do it. And they're like, no, it's 
here, we'll even search the items for you. Cause mm. for me, it's trying to find the exact item that I want. It's yeah. time consuming. Yeah. So, and that's, that's one thing that I, I think Instacart can, can try to get better at, but, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we can, yeah. we can work on that. Yeah. There's definitely um, some stuff that they um, need to improve in as someone that's been using them for a couple of years. Uh, it's definitely convenient, but it could be more convenient. That's for sure. Yeah. It, it can be easier. And, and that's mm-hmm. why we grow. And that's, mm-hmm. that's why we're out here, you know, me and you both as consultants mm-hmm. doing, doing the work to try to make that better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you, you look at it from a, from a healthcare standpoint, mm-hmm. like if I, if I have something come up um, and with remote monitoring now mm-hmm. there, it's Boston Children's Hospital is doing a lot with um, a lot of their, their pediatrics. Mm-hmm. Um, they have remote otoscopes and everything so that the parent can put the otoscope in the ear and the doctor can see remotely what's going on. It's just so you crazy can do a telehealth visit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. And you can do a telehealth visit. As a blind person, I could go do a telehealth visit, use the technology that my company and similar companies provide so my mm-hmm. doctor could get the data. I'm mm-hmm. looking at them on a screen just like we are now, right. or in my case, I'm listening to them, but you know. <laughs> um, and then they call in a prescription and I can go to Uber Eats and get mm-hmm. my prescription delivered from Uber Eats. Mm-hmm. Like that's nuts. And I've never even left my couch. And <laughs> the mass majority of people that are not disabled would think, Oh, that's lazy. That's convenience. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. when you start looking at it from a different perspective, because mm-hmm. everything matters in perspective, mm-hmm. that's not a convenience thing for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a, that gives me access to a doctor and a way to get my medicine that I'm not having to spend $30 to go across town and mm-hmm. wait at a hospital and be able to have to, fill out all the paperwork that I can't see and this and mm-hmm. that. So that's yeah. when you look at it through that lens, that's different. Yeah. That, um, that's, and, that's a hundred percent correct for sure. Uh, I, I, it's cause you know, when you really think about it, there, there's always going to be like that one half saying, Oh, we're getting too soft as they like to say nowadays. So, you know, we like to have things done for us. We don't like to do anything, you know, kids don't do stuff for themselves, but then there's the other part where it's like well this ease of things nowadays is actually really good for people like you and I and that's where your like perspective is always very important because as things get more you know kind of have it done for you you know Instacart Uber Eats you know stuff like accessible pharmacy or tele you know um, you know medical stuff it's just like this just becomes easier and easier for us because for us it's either one impossible to do it on our own or two very inconvenient to try and coordinate with other people because of busy schedules. And that's where yeah. it becomes so important um, to have like, okay, I understand where you're coming from, but let me tell you why this is so great to have for me. <laughs> well, it's like uh, when I was working with patients, my company now, um, I, I would come across a blind or a deaf patient. They're like, well, I'm blind. I'm like, Hey, so am I, how, how, how would you like me to support you? And they're like, wait, what? I was like, yeah, like I can go, I have the ability to go to my equipment team and we can come up with a plan to make our product accessible to you. And that's, I've gotten the opportunity to do that at Postmates. I've gotten the opportunity to do mm-hmm. that at, at Veristat. And I've gotten, mm-hmm. I, I now 
as somewhat of a consultant who's, who's starting to get into that universal mm-hmm. design, I've been working with fitness companies to make their fitness equipment more accessible. Oh, and it's, thank you. <laughs> it's, it's one of those that's like, they're not even aware of like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, so treadmill buttons really need to have like a bump dot kind of thing on it so you can actually find the button. Uh-huh. Like, yes. And if you're doing like any kind of, for a totally blind person, if you're doing mm-hmm. any kind of a like buttons and stuff and you have to navigate with buttons, those buttons mm-hmm. need to beep. Yeah. And well, it's also be nice to know what button I'm pushing. <laughs> yes. And that, that button needs to stay the same through different menus. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where it, it's not, I have had a, a colleague of mine point, I was on a call a couple of months ago and he, he was like, Hey, we understand this. And he said, it's one thing to test for accessibility compliance, mm-hmm. but it's a completely different one of low vision or a blind person gets their hands on a piece of gear and says, it's just, I can't use this. Mm-hmm. And um, to see that fitness companies, healthcare companies, companies that offer products and services are willing mm-hmm. to not only stay compliant with it, but also how can you support us mm-hmm. and give us feedback so we can make the difference in, in the product? And it's a very, I understand the business of it from right. a business standpoint. It doesn't make a lot of sense to, mm-hmm. to go after that market because mm-hmm. there's not a high return on investment. Mm-hmm. But I believe that it increased like universal access is something that increases and universal design. is something that increases mm-hmm. the, the viability for everybody. It makes it easier mm-hmm. to use for everybody. Mm-hmm. We're just the ones who drive the change that says, Hey, this could be a little bit more simplistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in my company now, I, I work with um, Salesforce, which is our, our customer resource management um, software. And I've had the ability to basically work on interface design for mm. our, our reps and for myself. And I was like, okay, here's my chance to really figure out as a blind person, how does this need to look? Mm-hmm. And I know that's a weird concept to, to grasp, but it's like, <laughs> there's certain buttons that need to be in certain locations because yeah. I need to, I know if I mouse over, I know where I need to be on the screen to be mm-hmm. able to mouse over. And that's, that's stuff that people don't consider. So it's like, you have people like you and me that are mm-hmm. out here and, and my friend Ashley and, and a lot of the people that are doing this kind of work and driving this kind of change. It's like, I understand from a business standpoint, it doesn't mm. make sense to capture a, a d- the disabled market, mm. but you're making your product more accessible. Mm-hmm. You're making your product easier to use for everybody. Mm. And if you make it a priority, people will start using those features. You look at mm. Apple. Apple said a few years ago when they came out with the iPhone, we're going to start making it accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, I use Apple products because of their accessibility. It it's one of those that like it's it's probably easier for us to understand like mm-hmm. okay my mouse needs to be on a certain place on the mm-hmm. page. Mm-hmm. Um, people who see can't necessarily grasp that because they can just look and click over to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, if you don't have a stream deck, by the way, I got a stream deck the other day. I want to get one so bad eventually. Uh, it, it's It's been a game changer for me. And I've wanted one for a long time. And it's been mm-hmm. a game changer because I don't have to look at anything. Yeah. Um, 
and that that helps me increase my productivity and my mm-hmm. workflow. But yeah, just just working with with different companies to increase the viability for disabled mm-hmm. people. Um, that's I think that's where that's where my career's headed. Yeah, um, yeah. Still keep the side gig and the day to day job, but I think uh, I think universal design and and universal access is something that's very important. Mm-hmm. You know, and and Apple. Apple's made that a priority for the last yeah. you know, 10, 15 years. And a lot of disabled people buy their products because they're easy to use and they've mm-hmm. made that a priority. So working with companies to find pain points and find like, Hey, how do we make this not only accessible for blind people, but mm-hmm. everybody. Right. Um, and using Apple as a model, as a kind of a gold standard to say, Hey, look at what they've done. And mm-hmm. You know, I don't know their numbers of how much traction they've gotten out of it, but yeah. I know everybody that I I know that's blind uses an iPhone. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's why I always tell people is like I I can't do Android. Um, I understand they have their own, you know, kind of screen readers and stuff inside their phones, but when it comes to trying to figure out an Android phone, it's so weirdly different from the iPhone, and I just find the iPhone to be so much straightforward. Um, and they've continued to put things like the back tap stuff now that they do. Thank Love God it. for that. Because before Love that, to, you do the voiceover, you had to press the lock button. And the problem with doing the lock button is if you don't press it the right amount of times in the right frequency, you call the cops. <laughs> so having yes. the back tap stuff now is a, such a joy. And I, you know, I called uh, <laughs> I called 911 on accident the other day. Um, um, I had my foot propped up and it was on one of my friend's phones and I didn't realize it. And their screen was on when I put my uh, foot up there. She looks down, she goes, Hey, hey, move your foot. It's like, oh, it's on your phone. And she goes, Oh shit, you're calling 911. <laughs> I was like, look, yeah. if they answer, like I'm not gonna get arrested, just say, Hey, I'm, I'm you know, my friend was blind and he didn't know uh, it was he yeah. was like had his foot on or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna think it's stupid, but also yeah. that's the truth. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just making companies to not necessarily going to companies and saying, Hey, your, your products suck. Yeah. 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 Going to them and say, Hey, here's, here's how we can, if you make it a point to increase accessibility for Mm -hmm. a lot of other people, it's going to increase your, your feature set. That's Mm going to make it a lot of, a lot easier for, um, for everybody. Um, there's a, a company I use their, their products. They're probably the most accessible fitness company that's out there. Um, Wahoo fitness. They're based out of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things they have for their triathlon watches is this touchless transition. Ooh, nice. And their, their watches have usually as a blind person, you have to figure out what screen you're on your watch and all this yeah. kind of stuff and hit the button when you go into transition to transition mm-hmm. between the different sports. Wahoo does that automatically so when i come into transition and get ready to grab my bike and i come out it knows that i'm on the bike nice it knows when i'm on the run it knows when i'm in transition and that Mm -hmm. that's something very simple a it's it was introduced as a feature for triathletes but as a Mm -hmm. blind person that's that's huge for me i don't have to worry about my watch it just Mm -hmm. automatically does it yeah and then go ahead no 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 go ahead i was gonna say and you know the thing about um, those 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 products is when you introduce stuff like that, um, those features that people like us need, like you say, it opens the market, but not only does it open the market, you get a lifelong 
customer because I think the one thing that companies really underestimate is just how um, dedicated we are to products as well, more so companies that are willing to introduce features that benefit us. I mean, we are some of the most loyal customers a company can have because if we know yes. that your uh, product or whatever you're doing in terms of your infrastructure is accessible and you're making it even more accessible, not only are we going to stay with you, we're going to tell everybody else with our disability that you're helping for, like, hey, for us, for the blind, you know, it might not be good for motor, cognitive, or auditory, but if we know that's for the blind, then we're nine out of 10 times, we're going to tell people, hey, if you need something for blind triathlons, go to Wahoo Fitness. And then you're just, bam, you're going to get exploded. Probably hit the mic when I did that. But, uh, you know, you're just going to be like, where are all these customers coming from? Well, it's because you made your product accessible. You made it a point, and it's it's a small niche market, but mm -hmm. it's also one that if you capture that market, you've got loyal customers, and mm -hmm. you, you've got hey, it's a marketing opportunity. Yeah, yeah, huge mm -hmm. marketing opportunity, especially mm -hmm. nowadays yeah. um, with the a lot of focus being on you know DEI <laughs> and stuff. And yeah, it's it's the trend, and it's it's as a disabled person, you find yourself figuring out ways to do things and ways to overcome problems. That's, mm -hmm. that's how we all operate. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like you said, if, if a company comes up with a way that says, Hey, we're going to, we're going to make this one small little thing accessible mm -hmm. and we're going to make it a priority to do that. You've captured that market, but you've yeah. also, you've gotten a loyal group of people that are like, you can tap into us for anything. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, I am a, my front door lock is a touch panel that has no bumps or anything's on it, but they have an app that I can unlock my door from my phone and I use it every <laughs> single day. And it's, that's not necessarily an accessibility feature. Right. But that's something that a blind person or, or disabled person is going to, oh, okay. I can adapt this to work with what I need. Mm -hmm. And when they release another product, because they think about things like that, I'm just mm -hmm. going to go buy their other product. <laughs> right. Um, I, I have a smart trainer by Wahoo because their apps are accessible. I mm -hmm. have one of their watches because their watches are accessible. Mm -hmm. I bought multiple products for them. And I, I talk about their products all the time because mm -hmm. they've made it a point to say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to go after this. We're going to make it to where everybody can use our products, whether they're blind or, or have cognitive issues or mm -hmm. they they're missing a leg, you know, anything mm -hmm. like that, we're going to make it a point to, to make it accessible for everybody. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to see companies like Wahoo and, and others that I've worked with that, mm -hmm. that are, Hey, you know, it can't give you all the money in the world, but right. let's, let's have a conversation and, and we're willing to sit down and talk about mm -hmm. how we can make this better for you guys. Mm -hmm. Because in the end, we are all customers. We are all consumers mm -hmm. and driving that consumer focus is what a company should be focused on. Yeah. And I mean, that kind of leads into what you're doing with Air staff. I mean, they're doing some amazing stuff when it comes to making medical visits and medical assistance accessible to those that really are either chronically ill, um, autoimmune, you know, deficient, you know, people that really just can't leave the house. Um, 
to get them the assistance they need. So um, tell me about Veris staff and how you got involved with them, because it sounds like a really amazing company. And I know right now, um, telemarketing in terms of the medical industry is getting big. You know, I don't even go to see my own psychiatrist in office anymore. We just do stuff over the phone. And there's a, you know, there's like, you know, I know Be My Eyes, you know, great app for the visually impaired. They, they partnered with uh, or have been partnered with Accessible Pharmacy so that, you know, medications is easier for, you know, people to get their hands on because we both know as uh, visually impaired people, uh, medical visits are not fun. <laughs> so um, not. here, yeah, fill out talk- these five forms that are the same <laughs> for everybody. Yeah. Can you not just get that from my EMR, please? <laughs> yeah, so talk to me about Vera stuff and how you got involved with them and all the work you're doing there. Uh, yeah, so I... It was about a year ago. Um, I got asked to to come on board to do their patient outreach, mm-hmm. and um, again, it's it's one of those things that I might not be impacting big picture and policy decisions that mm-hmm. that are going to, you know, sweep the disabled community by storm. But mm-hmm. they're like, hey, we want you to do our patient outreach. Um, you're going to be enrolling and signing up patients. You're going to be a, a care coordinator, so you're going to mm-hmm. work with those patients to to get them set up on the the app and get them set up with all the equipment and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually heard about them through one of my business mentors. And then I, again, with the disabled thing always in the back of my mind, and my my granddad um, had recently passed away. And uh, we think his official cause of death was pulmonary edema, which is mm. something that could have been treated by remote monitoring. And mm. I spoke to that in my interview. I was like, hey, this would have impacted my family, but I'm just thinking of me as a disabled person too. Right. That gives me access to data, which I love, but also mm-hmm. a person, not a robot, a real person yeah. on the phone yeah. that can talk me through any kind of thing that I'm, any kind of issue that I'm having. Mm-hmm. And if they can't fix it, they're going to get me in contact with my doctor who I go see for my either telehealth visits or my uh my normal in-office visits mm-hmm. and i'm going to be able to talk to my doctor as a blind person that's huge yeah um as, as a disabled person that's huge mm-hmm. and sign up enough patients and they're like hey we're gonna we're gonna promote you to provider sales we want you mm-hmm. to, to work with providers and, and getting access to to them and, and giving them access to our products and um in that journey i, I got to make our product more accessible um enabling accessibility features and we use Android phones. Um, mm-hmm. So that's been f- fun and also hard to, to kind of work around limitations there. Yeah. Um, but I've been blessed to work with a great group of people who, who understand it um, mm-hmm. and who were basically like, Hey, how can we accommodate you at work so you can get your work done and then help others doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of the day-to-day thing. Um like I said, it's it's kind of the overall arching theme of like, I'm not making big picture decisions, but here are the little pieces that I'm putting together. They're yeah. going to play into that. That parts make up a whole. Mm-hmm. And you're a Bob Ross fan, right? Ah, oh, yeah. Good old Bob yeah. Ross. So, love <laughs> it. You don't know that he's painting a tree when he's painting a tree. You're like, mm-hmm. what is he doing? Mm-hmm. What is he doing? Mm-hmm. And then it comes out and it looks like a tree. And I love taking those parts and making them a whole. Mm-hmm. So for me, the the broader picture is understanding that even though my day-to-day work is a crime, my day-to-day work doesn't involve working with patients with disabilities or working with the disability community as a whole mm-hmm. outside of the consulting stuff. 
I am a part in a larger picture that's going to come together and make it accessible for everybody. Um, so that's a lot of work, the work that I'm doing there and, and trying to get providers to to sign on, not only to, mm. to make us money, but also and sustain the business, but also that I know for myself, the why behind why I do it is mm. to give access to people that don't have it. Yeah. What's, what's that saying that the, the greasy something like the greasy uh, squeaky wheel gets the the grease. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where it all comes down to it does. I mean, you are still making it happen, whether it's directly or indirectly, you still have a very um, important part to play in the overall picture. Yeah. And that's, so, it's not lost on me. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me like how exactly does Vera staff um, function? So like, if say you have a client that has um, like a pulmonary heart disease, how do they work with you to get assistance? I'm very curious about that. Yeah, so they, like if a patient's been diagnosed with um, congestive heart failure, mm -hmm. um, a, a lot of issues with, and I'm, I'll preface this, I'm not a doctor, so right, right. I'm not, not mentioning anything clinical. <laughs> um, a lot of issues with that are, are blood pressure, um, and, and weight gain, rapid mm -hmm. weight gain is a, usually an indicator of, of CHF. Um, and then we watch the rapid weight gain, like if they gain 10 or 15 pounds, you know, really quickly, that's what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, so for us, a, a doctor might diagnose a patient with, um, with CHF, or he might be diagnosed from a, a different doctor. He goes to see a cardiologist and a cardiologist will call us if we've got a partnership in place with them and we'll send, they'll send a referral and say, Hey, I, I want a, a blood pressure monitor and a weight scale for this person. Mm -hmm. um, so they check the BP, the pulse rate every day. Um, we have care coordinators that monitor that. Um, so they're looking at the, the weekly and like monthly trends. We have some people that monitor four or five times a day. We have some people that monitor, you know, three times a week, just depending on what the doctor wants. Mm -hmm. And the doctor, when they come in for a visit or the doctors and nurses are checking that once a day, once a week, and they can see, okay, there's some, like the data is not lining up here. Here's mm -hmm. what the data shows us. Um, and it, it increases patient outcomes, um, mm -hmm. positive patient outcomes. So basically if I, I've had a number of patients that uh, have told me, you know, I went to my doctor, we looked at the numbers and he was like, yeah, it's not as controlled as we'd like it to do. I'm going to change your prescription. Mm -hmm. And they changed the prescription to something that may benefit them better and, and have a better reaction to it. And um, that'll, it'll kind of take and it gets under control. We had a patient, I was just told yesterday, with a patient that didn't like his numbers. So he, mm -hmm. he thinks the equipment's wrong and, and he goes to the doctor and the doctor's like, no, this is like, we've tested it. This is accurate. Mm -hmm. And he's like, what, what if, you know, what, yeah. what, what, what's going on? So then I think he referred him to a specialist and found out that he had arrhythmia issues. Mm. And without that data, they would have never found that out. And who, right. you know, I don't necessarily think of what ifs, but who knows what would have happened. Um, and then diabetic patients, they can mm. keep a food diary um, of like what you, what you ate before you checked your blood sugar. So we, doctors can figure out what the triggers are between mm -hmm. what's going to raise or lower their blood sugar. So it, it gives the doctors more access and more data to, mm -hmm. to basically have in front of them and at their disposal to say, Hey, we, we need to get this under control or your, your numbers look great. You're doing a good mm -hmm. job. Um, 
and that's that's the primary focus of what we do and the, mm -hmm. the disability component is just giving them access to that at home mm -hmm. as opposed to uh, to having to go in to take that or having to have a nurse come out which which costs extra it, it does yeah. it costs extra to have a, a house call and um your insurance is getting billed for that and you're paying premiums or you're paying co-pays on that stuff. So to be able mm -hmm. to give them access at an affordable price or something that insurance is going to pay for is, is big. Mm -hmm. um, and then too, with our, our disabled, we have, we've had some, some deaf people on the, um, on the platform and some blind people and just mm -hmm. being able to call them and say, Hey, you know, how do we work with your translation service to be able to, mm -hmm. to, to do the phone calls each day and to be able to do the wellness calls. Right. And as a blind person that can't see our phone because we, we send out a, an Android phone and, uh -huh. and have blood pressure and everything. And how do we, how do we make that accessible for you? Mm -hmm. um, we actually had a, a client in New York. It's one of our largest clients that had a, a patient that, that I signed up. Um, we got them taken care of and they, they did a success story with us um, with the provider. And he's mm -hmm. like, I'm blind with the traditional blood pressure machine, I can't see what's on the machine. Mm -hmm. So I look at the numbers on the phone and use voiceover as a way to say, Hey, my blood pressure's 120 over 80. Great. Mm -hmm. So for me, a signing that patient up and working with them to, to get those features enabled, he's able to take those numbers back to his doctor and take the mm -hmm. phone in and say, Hey, here's my numbers. Yeah. I, and he's able to, swipe over and, and click on it and, and have it read it to him. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a demo patient. So I use it every day as well, right. um, just for testing purposes and stuff. And, and I do the same thing. It's like, I can't see the machine, especially if I take my, my pulse oximetry or <laughs> my blood oxygen levels, or if I'm checking my blood sugar, I can't see what's on that little B screen. Right. So I pull up the phone and zoom in on the phone and okay, there are my numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, so it goes back to that adaptiveness of like, this is not necessarily our primary goal, but we're going to do the little things that make it easier for those kind of people to use. Mm -hmm. That's going to increase their quality of life significantly. Yeah, that sounds awesome. That's it's it's amazing, and it's great to know that there's a uh, more platforms like Veristaff that are pop popping up nowadays. Uh, because I, you know, I think definitely with COVID, um, we've seen that there's definitely a market. For these types of one-on-one um, -on -one kind of you know relationships when it comes to stuff like transportation um, especially with medical and you know it's just definitely great to see more people doing it nowadays because you know it, it was so kind of out of sight out of mind and now it's really starting to be pushed into the public which is great i had never had a telehealth visit until the pandemic yeah and if we're if we're looking at positives that came out of all that, I think that's from a disability standpoint, I think that's a, a major one. Um, and mm -hmm. I think it's important to look at those, those positive outcomes from something mm -hmm. that was very, yeah, very bad. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, <laughs> I always say it. Um, I take the biggest positive when it comes to COVID saying that I lost my job and it sounds terrible, but if it wasn't for COVID, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation right now. <laughs> yeah, definitely thankful for that. And it's like, uh, and I, I know a lot of people who, you know, we talk about the, the great exodus and people wanting to work from home and this mm -hmm. and that, and, and the, the change that that brought on. Mm -hmm. I was like, Hey, I, 
I was having to go to an office five days a week, spending $600 a month on Uber. Yeah. And then yeah. COVID happened and, and I finally get the, the work environment that a, I thrive in, but also mm -hmm. B that's it's just easier for me to, to do. Yeah. And, um, I, I definitely think that it, it brought on a lot of, a lot of light to things that, mm -hmm. um, had not been shed. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. So you have your hands on a lot of different pots. I mean, you did Postmate, Veristav, you, you, you do consulting. I'm really excited about the, the fitness stuff because, you know, I, I work out at home because I do not want to go to a gym because that's so inaccessible. So that's exciting. Of course, you did all the amazing stuff with um, ESPN and you still do um, sports. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, when you really look back and you stare at all the things that you've done, um, I mean, what what's the greatest joy of knowing that, you know, yeah, I work 12, almost like 12 hours a, a day every week. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I do, I make a difference in this way, you know, is it all about just tiny steps or, you know, just making sure that even if it's not about accessibility, that the information at least gets out there so people know where they can turn to when they need help. Yeah, I, I think that's it. I think mm -hmm. it's it's knowing the big picture, but also mm -hmm. being able to drill down to the day-to-day -day and the details of this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I, I play a very, very tiny part in mm -hmm. the gigantic wheel that is healthcare. Yeah. But if I've impacted one person, I've done my job mm. um, with the the fitness stuff and and working with those companies and, and stuff. It was it, that to me was a way to drive change in an industry that became my hobby and my my passion and in mm. a way to and a way to increase wellness for mm. myself and and others mm -hmm. and. I'm not only in my mic keeps me to go on a little while. <laughs> not not only I'm an audio guy and I can't make audio work for me. I don't know what the deal there is. Um, but not only not only driving that change, but also mm -hmm. just here is a way that I can impact people that that get into sport because mm -hmm. they're disabled, um, right. which was the case with me. I got Bentley, I met Jenny. Mm -hmm. Jenny got me into triathlon. Mm -hmm. And then um, we just kind of went from there and I wanted to find a focus that, that involved disabilities. And it was like, mm -hmm. here's how, here's something that I can do with my career mm -hmm. day to day that impacts people with the big picture. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's, it's just the, the thing that keeps me going is, is other mm -hmm. people like you and me that, that are out here doing the same things and, knowing that we're driving change and positive yeah. change in that. hundred percent agree. Well, Hey man, um, it's so awesome to have had you on the podcast. Like I said, I, I wanted you from day one <laughs> and, and I know I've annoyed you so much being like, when do you want to come on the podcast? Hey, Tell we, me when you want to come on the podcast. Come on. We, on the podcast. we had it happen. We made it happen. But... <laughs> it's so great to finally have it happen and share your story because, you know, I've been able to see it firsthand and happen in real life and I, I just know everything that you've done um, and how it's developed so it's definitely 
been a story that I want to share um, with yes. the world and talk, you know, talk about you, you and I one-on-one because um, you're an amazing human being and you, and you do a lot of great stuff. stuff. Absolutely, man. Hey, just real quick. If, I mean, if there's people that would like to talk to you, because you have a lot of great insight, you do a lot of great stuff, you know, within the accessibility and you, and, and you know, your equipment and everything. Um, can people contact you if they would like to talk to you? Uh, yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, easiest way is probably Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have gone back and forth with trying to do TikToks. Everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, you're a, you're a creator. You've done video. Why don't you yeah. do TikToks? I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, TikTok's more of a consumption thing for me. I, <laughs> like For real, blind TikTok is like, mm-hmm. like disabled TikTok and people making fun of their disabilities and mm-hmm. having a good time being disabled. That that gave me a lot of hope last year when yeah. I was in a, in a terrible mental state from, you know, obviously losing my job and mm-hmm everything that happened and with that, everything. So easiest way is Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm try it blind on Instagram and Twitter. And it's right. TRI as in triathlon. So try it blind. Um, they can reach out to me there. Um, mm-hmm. That's probably the easiest way. I'm on Instagram <laughs> yeah. a pretty good All bit. Right. So. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, if you guys that are listening do have questions for um, Austin, I can get in contact with him. Uh, a little bit easier. So if you would like to ask him a question, I can definitely pass it along to him. So please remember, you can always email me at cmbalton, that is C-M-B-O-U-T-O-N, cmbalton, all one word, at yahoo.com. I can get those questions out to Austin and pass them back along to you. Also, please do remember that the Twitter page for the podcast is 2200 Hindsight. That's 20200 Hindsight, all one word, 2200 Hindsight. And I am super happy to be able to say that we are now not only on Anchor, Spotify, but now Apple Podcasts. The podcast is hindsight is 20 slash 200. That's right. Anchor, Spotify, and now even Apple Podcasts. I do also want to announce that thanks to your support, we are going to be doing a special Ask Me Anything episode of the podcast. So if you're listening out there and have ever wanted me to answer your own little questions, do know that um, if you go on the Twitter page for the podcast, you can leave those questions for me there. Just tag me and yeah, your question will show up on a special podcast episode that I, uh, is yet to be determined. But anyways, guys, that's going to be it for the episode today. Thank you so, so much for listening. And thank you again to my amazing guest, Austin Marshall. It's been great to talk to you again, my friend. All right, everybody, we will see you next time for another episode. Until then, please do take care. Bye, guys.